Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly life transitions podcast, where we share the stories and experiences of professionals that help families create a new path for themselves. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about transitioning your life through relationship separation, starting a new career, having babies, and many other life transitions. Find out more at mycleanbreak.ca. Here are your hosts, Darren and Tina. Hello again, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on Clean Break, the podcast. I'm Darren Javog, and the lady that just sparkles everything. <laughs> just such a joy having you on the show. My, my co-pilot, co-host, the person who has the other mic, mic beside me, keeps me on track. Tina Murray. Well, thank you, Darren. Sometimes I go squirrely. <laughs> you do, but I tell you, it's it's your energy that kind of I think keeps keeps people around. I, they, I don't it know. Is. They want to listen to you because you never know what you're going to say. Well, that is very true. You really <laughs> never know what I'm going to say. And you know, I love Clean Break. I really do love. I love the podcast. I love that we've transitioned it from sort of a super focused on divorce and separation to transitions and so it's really been able to widen our horizons of who we can have on the show and just some of the things we talk about so oh my God, yeah amazing. i'm really excited yeah. about the future of this podcast as well yeah so yeah but before we do oh. go any further i need to talk about our sponsor awesome. today our sponsor is o'farrell financial in today's climate a competitive benefits plan is worth more than ever before Creating an employee benefits plan for your business takes experience and knowledgeable advice. Our team will work with you to build a competitive plan designed to attract and retain key employees. That's the O'Farrell advantage. To find out more about how employee benefits can help make your business more successful, visit www.ofarrellfinancial.com. I'm telling you, you should be, you should have the commercial voice. Like I, we, we could just put you in a sound booth. I, I, yeah, it <laughs> comes from my broadcast journalism training a hundred years ago. Okay. So uh, yeah, let me, let me, let me ask who do we have on the show today? Cause I'm super excited. Yeah. Super we, excited we to talk about this. We both know our guest yes. personally. We've both, I believe worked with her in a professional capacity as well. Yeah. You mentioned that we're going to talk about that. Yeah. So Carol, Karen McDonald Hurley, she is the owner and founder of opportunity group business insights and solutions. So welcome to the show, Karen. Thanks for having me. I am super excited. I was reading your bio and while I know you, <laughs> um, it's interesting to see your, your bio. So you started, uh, growing and involving your business consulting practice in 2012 and you're looking for, always look out for new opportunities to create a cohesive plan that will achieve results but the thing i really liked was that you are a certified work life strategist yes so that, that is through the career <laughs> professionals of canada okay um and in my past and currently i do contract work with employment service agencies those would be the folks that are funded by Employment Ontario who help people find jobs and consider self-employment. So I usually get tagged whenever there is some kind of aspect of self-employment yeah. um, being considered. And so one of the opportunities I had was with the Career Professionals of Canada group to uh, help write the curriculum for this career work-life strategy course. And so by doing that, um, they gave us this designation and okay. we tested it. And so it was really about work-life balance. Yeah. Um, so I have a little bit of experience about trying to keep it together and trying to keep it balanced. Literally just before we went to air, <laughs> we, we were talking with our producer and he was talking a, literally about yeah. that. 
that, how work-life balance is so out of skew, not just for entrepreneurs, but now regular people who have jobs because they work from home. And he, you know, Alex was saying, you know, sitting in front of the TV, watching Netflix Netflix. with his wife, but thinking about the, you know, 10 hours of, you know, editing he should be doing that's sitting behind him. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's how to do that, which is a really a cool thing that not only do you know how to help people write business plans and to get their businesses started, but how to teach them how to have some balance. Find the balance. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I think Karen, I, I refer to Karen as a business therapist. <laughs> <laughs> really? Then I, I think my prices are going up. I think so too. I, like, I, I think you're a deal. Let me tell you. She's been in the room a couple of times. We'll talk yeah. about that, but yeah. she's awesome. Yeah. 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 So why don't we dig into uh, what, like, where do you come from? Yeah. Personally, like, where'd you come from? Who are you? <laughs> Who am I? So I'm originally from Eastern Ontario. I grew up in Cornwall. Um, big family, big, big family. I have nine brothers and sisters. Wow. And uh, we're still a very close family. Um, and I went away to school, so I was really fortunate. Um, I got a business degree from University of Windsor. While I was there, I was very interested in the business of government. So I also picked up a diploma in public administration. So um, after graduating, I had a little brief stint in the banking industry, um, got married, relocated out west, and uh, started my career as a public servant. Total, found it totally fascinating, but I discovered people in the government don't like hearing somebody say, hey, I've got an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really was an entrepreneur and I always had ideas. And to this day, people get nervous when they hear me say, hey, I've got an idea. Um, but I do. That's, you know, that's part of my cursor creative talent. I don't know, but I always have ideas. So, um, I worked for the Alberta Public Service for a while, but I, I knew that my life wouldn't be complete if I was not owning a business. So we relocated from um, Alberta and we bought our first business. Um, it was a buying group kind of um, quasi-franchise. It was called Grower Direct Flowers. It, we were flower okay. distributors. So okay. it was really, really popular out west. It was a model out west, replicated really, really good out west. Um, very different competitive client, uh, climate, I should say. So um, it didn't replicate quite as good in Brockville, where we opened our first store. Um, we left the buying group, opened up Flowers Brockville. Mm-hmm. Um, and then something kind of really interesting sort of happened to me. Um, and I, I tell this story and I call it the opportunity hole, falling into an opportunity hole. I was quite content to work in my flower business and people kept approaching me. Can you come and teach, you know, community colleges, individuals, we, we really like your business. Come, you, can you come and tell us why you're successful? So what ended up happening was I was working my business and I had all of these people and all of these opportunities present because people felt I had something to share, something to tell them, something to teach about business. So um, I ended up leaving the business and selling the business that I owned with my husband. And um, I started Opportunity Group. And uh, somewhere along the line, I kind of said, hey, just because I think I have a story, does that make me a teacher or a trainer. So at a very old age, I went back to school and I got um, a degree in adult education because I wanted to validate um, methods to share the information. And I've used all of that to kind of where I am today, where 
I help businesses at any stage of their business, whether it's startup, whether they've been in business for 10 years, 15 years, the right time to plan is whenever you see the time to plan. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's wow. so cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little speechless right there because oh, no. it's just, you, that was good. Oh, like you totally tra- transitioned, right? From, from one business to another, but they built on each other, right? Like it built on it. You know what's funny about that is that was brilliant, by the way, that whole introduction for yourself, because that is what I think coaches like yourself always say to business owners is know your stuff. Yeah. Know who you are. You're big on that. Know who you are yeah. so you can communicate it to other people. Mm-hmm. Because if you're swirling around trying to figure out who you are, what you are, what your value prop is, people mm-hmm. are like, I don't understand what that person is offering. I don't understand what their what their ad is. You just like it's just like it's like still going, I think. Yeah. Actually, that was great. Well, it it is true. And I mean, um, you know, the whole idea of going back to school at an old age um, <laughs> to to validate kind of do I mean I felt that I had the knowledge but did I have the methods to really right. you know to share it right. so so absolutely I mean it is evolution and I think that's definitely part of my um, my value prop and what makes me unique is this conti- this commitment to continuous improvement right. um, you know, and, and continuously, and I'm working with somebody right now and he very much, you know, shares the same philosophy that, you know, it's not done until I have to put it in a jar. And until then I have to, I'm constantly improving. I, you know, can I be tweaking it? Can I be making it better? Can I, you know, and that is also, you know, part of the entrepreneurial brain, just, the constant whirling of the ideas, you know, mm-hmm. and having to stop and transition. There's that word again, transition from creative mode to actual execution mode, oh, actually yeah. executing the That's idea. Hard. Oh, yeah. it, it is, it is. I think a lot of people get stuck on that one side because they, well, oh. I don't want to execute till it's perfect. And I think that's one of the biggest failures of pe- for people is they wait and wait and wait. And then they just, it just, goes away or or it's it's they, they're all the ideas are there and they're like swirling around but it's that implementation and 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 doing it right i got all these ideas but i, I just can't get them going so that's why they need me yes I know. <laughs> they need me because we because and i know people get turned off as soon as they hear hear the word business plan so don't be turned off it's they are scary i know they are scary because they don't, historically, they have not made sense for people. Mm-hmm. And so that is why I developed one of my products is called Business Plan Bootcamp, which is a very, very simple fill in the blank oh, template. I'm it yes. At your house. Yes. A few years ago. This was before oh. the other one. I've gone, okay. I've used Karen oh. services on a yes. multiple one for my mortgage business yes. years ago. Yep. And, and the thing is, there's a big difference between filling out a form or yeah. filling out something and filling out something whenever you understand why the question is going to be, why the question is being asked, why and how you're going to use it. It's just like our kids in school. Well, I'm never going to be able to use algebra. But if they were given a life, right. a real life skill example of how they would use it, I think there'd be more buy-in. 
Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. 100%. And so, yeah. so that's kind of what we have with this business plan boot camp that I've developed that people love it because they say, oh my God, this finally makes sense for me. Yep. And so we do have business plan retention because the other thing that happens is, okay, I'll write this business plan, but I'm never going to use it. So they write it and they put it on a shelf. Mm -hmm. And so this is actually a usable, ongoing, living, breathing document with pages that actually become a to-do list mm -hmm. for you, both short-term and long-term. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really valuable. And that's a perfect solution, Tina, to what you mentioned about, oh my God, how do I get these ideas out of my head into actually a, an operational plan where I can execute? If the plan is done properly, it becomes simply execution because you develop and flesh out all the ideas into like, diarized type scheduling where then you move into execution mode and that is what I find most entrepreneurs need is that they need a way to stop the whirling in their head and shift into execution because that is the challenge mm -hmm. as entrepreneurs we're ideas people so we have to, it's really really hard for us to shift out of idea mode into execution and operational mode and that's why the business plan bootcamp and the my approach is helping take the business owner from idea to execution and giving them a plan or a schedule. I know people don't like the word plan, some kind of a document mm -hmm. that they have in their hot little hands with dates, with commitments, with tasks, and then they're on the they're on the run. They got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They've got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I like I like the fact and you know, full disclosure, uh, you and I have worked together, Karen, yep. and I like the fact that you're very, you've always been with, with us in, in my group, you've always been very task oriented. Mm -hmm. So the squirreling in the room, we've talked about that because you've got five, five people in a room and everyone's got great ideas and you get on these tangents that is just crazy. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to Karen and afterwards, uh, after a couple of meetings and I said, it's okay to tell these guys to, that's it. We got to get on task here. You know, like, I'm like, you got to oh, drop the hammer. Them, not you, right? Oh yeah. Dear. Yeah. Yeah. I actually said to her, you can tell me too. You yeah. can tell me directly. I cannot tell you just as a side note, how many times we've been in meetings and Darren will say this, 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 and then I'll go, okay, I'll do this, you do this. And then next thing I know, he's saying, he's doing it, what I'm supposed to be doing. And I have one time told your, one of your young assistants, if you're on the phone, if you hear Darren on the phone talking to me about doing something, and five minutes later, you hear him talking to somebody else about something exactly opposite, call Stop him it. on him. <laughs> I said, do it with respect, but call him on it. Because his mind goes like this. And Gotta get it done. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I know that was just a bit stick, of a squirrel. <laughs> stick to the plan, folks. Stick to the plan. We need to stick to the plan. Yeah, but you're brilliant at that because it's a it's a very gentle nudging uh, of people to say, you know, I we'll get to that later. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of your one of your greatest uh, tools is that you're not saying forget about it. You're saying let's just put it here. Yep, and so now, as a business owner or like a uh, that creative mindset, yeah, yeah. you're thinking, okay, we're not going to forget about it. As long as I know it's there, Absolutely. I can move on. Absolutely. Everything gets documented. And that's, I guess, kind of one of the other things that I do um, individually or in groups. I mean, everything, all the ideas get dumped into this one document, and then we find the best fit 
for them. Um, and sometimes we have to look at a phased in approach where phase one, short term, you know, you need to be generating some money. This is what we're going to do. That was a brilliant idea that you had. I'm going to put that in my little parking lot at the end of your plan. We're not going to lose it. We're not going to forget about it. Mm -hmm. But that might be something that we look at three years down the road, depending. And I just wanted to pick up on one other thing that you both said was about, um, you know, I call it failure, failure to launch, people waiting until it's perfect. So most common business, mis that is one of the most common business mistakes. And what I say to people whenever they are nervous and waiting until it's ready to launch, I say, so you go up to the top of the mountain and you go out on that ledge and I'm going to push you off because you know what? You will get down there. Yeah. And you want to know what you're going to learn on the way down? We call that market research. Market research is all of those activities when you're kind of stumbling, bumbling around until it's perfect. Mm. So even if you're not ready, there's still ways that we can frame in and help you feel comfortable to be ready to do it because that is where the most golden nuggets of learning occur in those initial stages, which I call market research. And you know what? That is where you learn. That's what you learn, how you shouldn't do, what you did do well. So, you know, you do that kind of in a controlled environment. In restaurant businesses, they call that soft openings, um, all sorts of things. But jump off the ledge. Mm -hmm. Jump off the ledge because it's, it's never going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. So you have to have to take the leap. So go small, for it. Small it, like, it's also small failures. I always say you learn way more from the failures than, than the successes, mm -hmm. right? Because those, it's yeah. the getting back up and then saying, okay, how can I do it better? Yes. How can I do it better? How can I do it yes. better? And that's where a lot of people are fearful. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're afraid of the unknown. They don't want to take that chance because they're worried about failure. But then they're also worried about judgment. If I fail at this little thing, big thing, whatever it is, what are the people around me going to say? Mm -hmm. Oh, they're going to judge me. And then I'm going to feel like a failure even more. Mm -hmm. And sorry, I'm just. You know, <laughs> you know, I can help them with that. Okay. You, know, that you just said about that. Like there was a lady in our circle of that we know um, and kind of similar that she owns a business, but um, they decided to, they have a house in Campbell and they decided to move to Florida full time. They had a house in Campbell uh, in Florida and they decided they were going to move there for the winters. And so, and you know, they, you know, who I'm talking about, I think anyway, and they moved down to Florida and they were there and they were, you know, oh, we're moving, we've you know packed up, we're going to go for the whole winter, blah, 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 blah. And within a month they were back mm -hmm. and very, very open about the fact that this wasn't for them. Right. They miss their friends. They miss their family. They don't mind going down there for a spell, but the house didn't work. Like they bought this house and a month later they sold it. Yeah. Right. And I was incredibly impressed with that because I think that myself personally would have been like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to move back home and sell the place quietly. But she was very open about it. And I was like admitting that failure and it wasn't a failure. It was an experiment. They tried, it didn't work and they moved on. And I was and you can apply that to business, right? And I was incredibly impressed and I did explain, I did, I reached out to her and I said, you inspired me because now, I even have goosebumps, you inspired me because I'm not afraid 
right? With other things in my life Own because yeah. you, yeah. you owned it yeah. and we're like, yeah, we tried it. It didn't work out. We moved back. Nothing to be ashamed of. The beautiful thing about that story is business is about choice. Yeah. You know why we work hard in business? To give ourselves choice. Right. Choice to work, not work, work less, go to Florida for one month, go to Florida for six months. Business is about choice. Yeah. And the other part of that story is I have four informal rules or tenets of business. And I added a fourth one during the pandemic and it is everything can be fixed. Mm. And you know, and that's kind of, you know, Darren, to your point about, you know, do I start, do I not start? I say to people, the pandemic taught us everything can be fixed. It may take time, it may take money, but there's nothing that cannot be fixed. And I really, really truly believe that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people afraid of making a mistake or mm -hmm. everything can be fixed. Mm -hmm. And you just need True. that outside perspective, right? You know, um, so I know <laughs> she brings me down because I'm like, I'm going to take the chance, and then I'm like, oh, it's going to be fine anyways. <laughs> you know, uh, so everybody in this room knows that I recently purchased a business, mm -hmm. and Wait, uh, and what what business is that, <laughs> Tina? We haven't actually talked about it on the show at all. So, yeah, I think we should talk about um, it. <laughs> so my husband and I and our 20 year old actually um, decided to purchase a local business in Spencerville called the Village Pantry, and um, um, the, the little bit of a joke about that was I talked with one of the owners, the husband, and he said to me before we took over that I had told him 20 years ago I was going to buy the pantry. And I have no recollection of that. <laughs> and, and I'm like, really? And so, um, you know, I, I, we bought it. And, um, but before we bought it, a friend of mine said, oh, my goodness, Tina, I'm so proud of you for not being afraid. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be afraid? <laughs> oh, I'm not. Maybe I should be, right? And it was like, she put this, but I never was. And yeah. I, I, I just, it was, it, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I was never afraid. And maybe that comes from having been self-employed for 12 years, right? I've taken risks. I've taken challenge. I've done challenges. When I first became a mortgage agent, I said to my husband, I may not make money for a year. And his response was, it's okay, we'll be fine, right? So I have that entrepreneurial spirit, but he has supported it, right? And so he's, all of them are on board with this. And so I'm not afraid. I, I so, so the other thing, you, you know, calling on your entrepreneurial spirit and your self-employment background. One other thing that I often hear is, oh, being in business is so risky. And, and I say, business planning mitigates risk mm. because what has happened with me is that people will come to me with a business idea. We look at it. We look at the challenges. We look at the potential, for, you know, to generate income and we decide that's not a good thing to do. So, you know, if you're really, really nervous about starting a business and you feel it's too risky, talk to someone right? because they, if you cannot feel comfortable, then maybe there's a reason why. You know, so again, I don't think business is risky because mm -hmm. we, the three of us, you know, have, have been in business. We know enough on how to evaluate a business, if it's a good idea or not. Mm -hmm. But if you're really, really feeling in, uncomfortable and you think it's way too risky, um, maybe listen to yourself. Yes. Right. right. Yes. Um, and, and 
get a second opinion on how to do research. And that would be a second opinion other than someone who's trying to sell you that business or or someone who has a vested interest in that transaction. A a friend or a family who doesn't necessarily have that same expertise. Right. So another case, my 20 year old is an extremely motivated young man. Um, all, all my children are great children. This one has that truly, business truly mindset. business mindset. <clears throat> so he's 20. He owns a home. He's a partner in the village pantry. He works for me full time as a mortgage agent. And I have wonderful children, all of them. This one is the one I'm talking about. He has now come to get to me with another idea. <laughs> um, he wants to purchase a home. He's He has somebody he knows who, who has a home. He wants to purchase the home. He thinks he can get it for a pretty good price if he goes to them directly. He wants to invest about $100,000 in upgrades. And then the decision is to either to refinance and rent it if we can get the rental or to sell it and do it again. And flip it. And, and, and this is a 20-year-old. And he's like, he just, he's got these ideas going through his mind. And he's constantly thinking about... Yeah. <laughs> what a future. And, uh, and, and I'm like, and he, he... He gives me a run for my money. As a matter of fact, I think he laps me a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's got that mind. And it's like, what would, what would happen? What happens if I... What happens if I only break even? Okay, I break even. I try it again. Right? And it's like that kind of fearlessness mm-hmm. is I'm learning from that. Right? Is that... But he's, he's not just being... He's not just going, I'm going to do this. He's like, okay, I'm going to call the people who I need to call. He called the financial, uh, he called a a private lender, right? He's pulling it already to see if this was something they would be willing to invest in him, Mm -hmm. right? And so I'm like that kind of fearlessness, but yet he's doing his due diligence, right? It's important. So one of the things that Darren and I talked about was different kind of motivations for businesses. I don't know if this is where you're going to go, Darren, but we had talked about, um, say, an income replacement business versus a passion project. And I was just going to say about your son and, and even you, Tina, with what you described. You know, there's a big difference between starting a business when you've been laid off and you need to do income replacement right. and generate enough income to make your mortgage payment, make your car payment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So different scenario than someone who um, is doesn't necessarily have to get the money back. That's right. Doesn't necessarily need that money to live there. Like, like, that's right. Like, as you said, whenever you told your husband, he said, oh, we'll be okay. And even I think of Darren and his passion project. That's like, it's a brewery. I'll admit it. Yes. (laughs) Distillery. It's an awesome story. I love, I I love the story. Mm -hmm. And that really is a passion project. And what's interesting about that is, you know, a very different planned and expected outcome. Right. They they want to do this. So, yes, they want it to make money, but it's not an essential kind of requirement in, you know... Lifestyle. To like, maintain your lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's truly kind of defining, I think, a passion project, you know, as opposed to somebody who's been laid off and they have to do income replacement. Yeah. You know, very different. Their anxi- the anxiety, right? There's more. I, I have to have this. I need it. I depend on it. Right. And a different level of planning and a sure. different level of evaluation, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you don't kind of have that same kind of wiggle room to get that money flowing back in mm-hmm. to replace the income. Mm-hmm. So different, very, very different scenarios. Yeah. Um, so, so I would work with those people differently. How yeah. would, and, and I was just about to ask that. So before you answer that question, because I'm going to come back to that one, 
You notice how good she is on keeping us on track? <laughs> <laughs> I can so just tell stories. You, <laughs> no, because I noticed she yeah, got yeah. us back on the road. I know. I know. We should have her on the show more often. I think she should be in the booth with Alex. <laughs> I'm going to put her in the, in the booth with Alex and say, you know, be in our ear. Um, you mentioned four tenants. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I heard you say one. So what are the other three? So the very first tenant I have always thought of is people will pay for what they value. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And you, you know this, mm-hmm. but... You know, we often hear people really, really struggling with pricing their products and say, oh, oh, people will never pay that in Kempville. People will never pay that in Smith Falls. And so I say to the business owner, people will pay for what they value. And if people are not paying it the price that you have strategically planned upon, then as the business owner, let's bring it back to you and let's look at all the ways that you could demonstrate value of that product. Mm-hmm. Okay, so number one, people will pay for what they value. Number two, people will do business with those that they know, like, and trust. Yes. And I mean, you both have built your businesses on that, right? Mm-hmm. Hands down, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm not always likable because I don't always have good news for people. So sometimes they don't like me, um, but I hope that they still respect the opinion. So number two was people will do business that they know, like, and trust. And so for new business people, get out and meet people. Get out and network again. You both could be the poster children for networking in your communities. So get out there, get to know, and be likable. The third one, and this is kind of a little bit out there, but one thing that I have built my business on, and number three for me, is feedback is a gift. Mm. Nurture and cultivate an environment of feedback, both with your staff, your coworkers, and your customers. And it becomes a conversation. Um, and again, like Darren said in the beginning about how you kind of learn from your mistakes. Um, yeah, you learn from what your customers are telling you. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a form of market research mm-hmm. and take it objectively. And, you know, I am what I, I call myself a very critical observer, mm-hmm. not a negative observer, no, but a critical crit- observer. 100%. And people that I work with and people that I care about their businesses, I will often give them critical feedback mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that's my role. That's, mm-hmm. you know, um, so yes, feedback was number three. And then number four, everything can be the, fixed. Everything can be fixed as <laughs> we found in the pandemic. That's my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> I make mistakes so, all the time. <laughs> Darren, we can help you. <laughs> so, you know, I want to go back to the feedback and having used your services and been involved with you for many years, I, I truly appreciate that because not only... Um, is the feedback important, but it makes you look into yourself, right? Like the feedback you give isn't, isn't, isn't negative. It's just, this is my observation. This is what I, what I see. And then we have to take that and do something with it. And that's right. And again, business is about choice. You could say, I think she's crazy. I don't agree with her and that's fine. Or you could say, Hmm, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to maybe think about that. Or you could say, I still don't know the answer. Perhaps you can help me give some context to that. Yeah. Um, so, and again, I mean, I kind of have a, a client for life philosophy where, I mean, I've worked all over Ontario and um, I have customers up in the Renfrew area who I I don't have regular contact. I, I worked with them maybe 10 or 12 years ago. And every once in a while I'll see something and I'll say, hey, 
this is so cool. Have you, have you looked at this? You know, because I'm also very much about trends and evolution of business. I don't watch the news and I don't, um, I don't consume the environment the same way that a lot of people do because I'm so interested in seeing what the trends are out there. I will often see something that I think is really of interest, hopefully not just to me, but to a particular business and I'll bring it to their attention because mm. I think maybe it's something that they should be thinking about or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I do a lot of feedback work. That's brilliant. I know mm -hmm. It is brilliant because I think feedback, it, mm -hmm. it's super valuable and <clears throat> I think sometimes people don't put enough weight behind it or they don't put enough thought about how to get it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I know I have a system in my, in my practice that I ask for it either in the meeting or at the end of the meeting on the wrap up and the follow up emails go out to say, you know, can you provide feedback on what we can do better? And <clears throat> I always give a little bit of, um, um, I'll give some questions on what specifically I'd like feedback on. So rather than a big general blanket, sure. I'll say, what did you think of this and this? And is, is this could be this be done better? Um, and I'm surprised that people will respond. If you ask, yeah. they will respond. And, and people are not always comfortable giving feedback if it's critical or negative. So it's really important to frame that question to give the person permission and say, is there a way that you could help me improve this session. So you want to say not one thing, you know, how can we improve? You want to say, you know, can you help me and give me one, one idea for improvement on this section? The other thing about feedback is that um, I just spoke to a provincial conference of um, small business centers and I helped, um, I, I designed a model over 12 months um, suggesting tools and um, intervals at which they could work with a client over 12 months so that instead of waiting till the end whenever the client's contract was over, how could you be engaging that client quarterly and what types of tools would be beneficial both for you as the um, small business center and to the client to meet their needs. So. I mean, I never really thought feedback was so important, but I really, my work is really kind of evolving in that area. So, um, because again, you know, I think a common mistake about soliciting feedback and giving feedback is we do it at the end. I mean, think of the value if we introduced mm. feedback intermittently throughout our contact with a client. Okay. Yeah. So again, I mean, I'd be interested to share that model with you guys sometimes, and I don't know if it'd be appropriate in your businesses, but you know, again, I, I base that on what I had heard from entrepreneurs and said, you know, I really wish somebody would have given me feedback before I finished my business plan and before I was kind of cut loose to go out into the wild world of working on my business independently. I thought, you know what, that really makes sense. So how could we strengthen the performance of the entrepreneur by giving them more regular feedback. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it was very, very structured because I know that, you know, time and resources are limited. So it's kind of designing models and designing tools, which could either be self-directed or, um, or, or administered um, about feedback solely with the intent to help better the performance 
of the small business client. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting off on a tangent now. But <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm curious about that. What We've had business coaches on the show before, right? Um, Kevin Savoy was on. How, how would you define the difference between you and Kevin, let's say? Like, what is it that he does compared to what you do? Is, are you, like, the exactly same or are you different? And, what like, what's different about you two? So I'm not 100% confident of what, of the work that Kevin does, but I'm confident of the work that I do, and I can tell you a little bit about that. So I, again, you know, we touched on this. I help people get the idea from the idea stage into execution where it's really a business. And what people don't understand is they have these great ideas. So I'm working with a client right now. She called me. She's selling soap, wants to make these really pretty soaps, wants to sell soap. So she's got a website and she hired someone to do her marketing. And I said, well, what are you going to say? Who are you going to sell to? So people, it's kind of, people don't know what they don't know. So I help them find out what they need to know. And so I will often start with something called business model canvas. And I took a copy right here. So there's three things that you want to know. Okay. And this is what I help you with. So the very first thing is called desirability. Do customers want it? Okay. The second thing that I help you do is feasibility. Can you deliver it? So that talks about all the operational side of thing. And then what people get really nervous about is viability. What is the business worth? What can you generate an income versus what is it going to cost you to get it there? So I would say I am a generalist, a business generalist. That That's how I perceive myself. Other people call me a business planning I don't like the word expert, business planning strategist, strategist, perhaps (laughs) strategist. So, I mean, things always end up in some kind of a plan. So I would say that I, I'm a, I'm a planner. I can help you get the idea to where it's actually going to make you money, uh, with the greatest efficacy. Cause the other thing is, you know, anybody can take a million dollars and make a million dollars. What I want to do is take a hundred dollars and make it into a million dollars. So we have all these different layers about, um, you know, making sure that it's effective, making sure that you've, you know, honed in the right market. And, and again, I can help people prevent costly mistakes. There are going to be mistakes, but let's keep them low cost. Right. Let's talk about process. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how, like, like give, give us an example. Business owner comes to see you, contacts you, you sit down, you have coffee. This is my earth shattering, changing idea that I'm going to make a kajillion dollars on. So how do you take them through it? Okay. So the first thing is, um, I can use the soap lady. So who are you going to sell to? Okay. She, the wrong answer is everybody. Cause not yeah. everybody wants to buy soap. Okay. Right. So we define your people who want to smoke. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Not everybody wants to buy a right. high hand soap. Right. soap. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Right. And what Tina just said, so tell me about your soap. Yeah. So, you know, you want to identify the value prop and the unique yeah. selling proposition, yeah. um, compelling values. Why will people buy this? So she tells me those kinds of things. And then I do a fair amount of independent market research for people. You're very um, good at that. I, 
but it's my thing. It gets me excited. People think I'm a weirdo, but I, I, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I want to like, I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, oh, you do that. You, I, you, yes. I love it. So, so, you know, for the soap lady, I Googled trends. I Googled who are the competitors, you know, what are they doing? So we kind of found some trends and I can tell you what the trends in soap are. They are uh, vegan, they're plant-based, they're mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we want to be on trend. We want to see where the market is moving in the soap industry. And I'm, I'm sure that there's lots of other things out there. So, you know, are you on point? Are you on trend with where things are going? Because we want to include that in our messaging. And I, I found it really, um, I, I don't want to say a mistake, but I mean, I, I always find it unusual when I'm not the first point of contact for people. Because mm-hmm. to me, you know, I can help you what you need to say. You don't need to, I don't do websites. You're not the marketer. I'm not the marketer, but I can... I can feed you the best information for you to use your marketer sure. with, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, we do the marketer and how are you going to take it to market? So yeah. how are you going to sell it? So she had no idea how she was going to sell it. I said, okay, well then let's look at how you're going to sell it. You know, um, and again, I like really simple question. How much are you prepared to invest to get this to market? Um, both in your marketing plus, you know, how big of a batch you're going to make of your soap to start. Um, you know, do you want to do a shop? Do you want to distribute online? What is your budget to get this to market? And so then again, you know, um, go back to market research. What are your competitors doing? Where are we going to position you in there? Mm-hmm. Um, who's going to help you? Um, then, you know, we look at what the costs are. How do we have to price it? If there's enough money in there for you to have profit, because it's not about making money. You have to have profit. People don't budget for profit. And again, that's another really common mistake. So people get nervous looking at numbers, but I show you the harsh reality of the numbers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that would be, that would be coffee. Very, very, very (laughs) important, right? Is is, um, sometimes people that think in a business, Cash is king. So cash flow is king. And uh, like uh, gross revenue is not net revenue. Mm -hmm. And that's another mistake people make, right? So we made $100,000. Well, you may have sold $100,000 worth of product. Right. What did you make? Yes. After taxes and everything. Um, Who are your favorite business owners to work with? Like, like we were. And Darren. No. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, but you know, you got the passion projects that maybe, you know, uh, that have these wonderful ideas and they, it's fulfilling to them. And then you've got, like you said, the income replacement people who are, you know, maybe they're being, they're, they're selling their services as a consultant and that's what they're really good at. Eh, it might not be the reason why they're, they feel mm-hmm. they're on this planet, mm-hmm. but it's paying the bills, right? Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, who do you like to work with the most? Oh, goodness. Like, you know, I, <clears throat> I don't think there's really any I mean if it's business I'm there like yeah. I I just love it and people say do you know that your voice changes and your eyes light up as soon as you start talking about business it's the sad truth and my kids think it's just a blast that people will pay me for advice because <laughs> you know what they say I have I have three adults living out of the home now and they say we didn't listen to a darn word you said and we can't believe people are paying you to give them advice oh, damn. 
Burn. Yeah, better listen to this. There's the yeah. door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. So, so they they joke. They joke whenever they find out that people have hired me or people are paying me for for my advice. So that's a little bit of a family joke. I mean, they they totally respect the work that I do, but uh, but they think it's funny that as a consultant, people are are paying me for my advice. But no, I there's really um, there's really no one that I I. I, I don't I, I can't help or that I can't um, that I can't work with um, you know people are, are often you know really constrained financially whenever they start a business as well mm-hmm. so you know I really try to be mindful and say um, you know let's just have a quick let's just have a 15-minute phone call and I, and if I were you I think this is where I would start yeah. you know and I can kind of help them get started um, no, I, I have, uh, you know, some really huge success stories. And again, I mean, my role is not to make a business owner dependent on me. I mean, some people may need kind of some accountability to get them to where they want to be. But I mean, I'm not a, what would you call it? I'm, I'm not really an accountability coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have somebody else do that. I mean, Mm -hmm. and most people who come to me are already motivated to do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you're not motivated to do what you need to do, I'm not going to push you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a motivator. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not, but I would say you're definitely, you have the energy. So it's Mm -hmm. interesting because in the first meeting, when you were listening to the stories of what the, like in our case, we were looking at a brewery slash distillery in the Kempville area and we were sitting around the table and we we're talking and you were visibly getting excited. Like she was like, oh, oh, this is good. Like you're, you were almost as excited as we were. And we were, I was like, oh my God, like so most people are like, bring it down. We're going to talk. And you were like, oh no, this is going to work. We're going to, we're going to get this done. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, yes. very positive yeah. mindset. Mm-hmm. So you talked about some really big success stories. Can we hear one? So all of the clients that I work with are confidential. Yes. Okay. I don't, I don't share. Um, I, I, it, it's, it's exciting. So I, I will tell you generally what is really exciting for me in success stories is I have I just finished working with a couple of clients who were in what I would call the sector three businesses. So the hardest hit, the longest closed Mm-hmm. of COVID and both of those businesses worked their butts off during COVID and both of them, uh, one of them just purchased a commercial building and has moved her business into it. Okay. The other one is in the process of transitioning um, their business into a commercial building, which it, it's, I mean, that's a huge thing yeah. for a one person um one, one person business. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, that, that's to, especially if that was the long-term gain plan, then, you know, the other kind of success story that I'm working with now is, you know, I have, um, a, an individual whose business was so successful and has made so much money. She has decided that, um, she wants to take a step back and, you know, what would be involved in her running the business, doing maybe tw- working 20% of the time, you know, and again, that's everybody's dream to be able to generate income from their business. Um, and again, have the choice 
to, you know, perhaps transition out at a very, very young age, I might add. So there's great success stories out there, but it's, it, they're all very common. They work, 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 work. Mm -hmm. And they, again, just, they're just visionaries. They have their eye on the prize. And I'm thinking of you, Tina, like they have their eye on the prize and they just, she already got the prize. She's looking at another one. I know, (laughs) I I know. And, and, and they just, and they just go for it. And, and that is really, I'd say the biggest differentiator, because, oh my goodness, I've worked with almost 2000 small business startups and that means I've read 2000 plans. And, and the big differentiator is people who have the vision and just go for it go for it very very clear vision and they just go for it so Mm -hmm. that's the biggest differentiator between Mm -hmm. my success stories and my people who maybe decided that self-employment wasn't for them Mm -hmm. do you ever do any exit strategy planning yes Mm -hmm. again big huge again maybe the first or the second most common um mistake and these are all things that I've incorporated into my business plan boot camp um, training module. So, and and basically it, it asks the question in the plan, what is the worst case scenario? And what would prompt you to exit your business? And, and what would that strategy be? Mm-hmm. So that question is actually incorporated into my business plans that I work with people now. And the other thing, Darren, you just prompted my memory is that as a result of the pandemic, the other thing that is now included in these business plans is dealing with unintended consequences. So what did the pandemic teach us? How do I deal with an unintended consequence? In this case, it was the pandemic, but you know, like I often think of, you know, downtown improvement areas where they closed the sidewalks for two years. Businesses need to have a strategy to deal with that. So yes. So what does that look like? So, I mean, again, part of it is anticipating some of these things. So again, what, what do you learn and what's this commitment to continuous improvement? Two big things on how the business plan um, template has changed as a result of the pandemic. So again, just always changing, you know, what it was last month is not what it's going to be this month, because if there's something that happens, you want to give the response, right? Um, And I think it makes the business people better decision makers, better thinkers, more confident moving forward. So yeah, so those are all the things that I I find are really important and differentiators. You you really see the people who are in business for life, Mm -hmm. who have a business plan, who have had access to kind of some of our expertise um, compared to people who just chose to wing it yeah (laughs) wing Wing it it. yeah Yeah. Yeah. model 649 well isn't that everybody's plan um (laughs) just kidding um you know and like this whole time you've been talking i'm like man i really need to re-engage you because i'm thinking yeah because i think that you can do a business plan but your business changes Mm -hmm. you change you have to evolve and it's probably a good idea to revisit your business plan Mm -hmm. does the one you did 10 years ago still work today Yes, absolutely. And, and you know what, that is really sage advice, Tina. And the thing is, you know, who do you talk to about business? You don't, again, you don't want to talk to somebody who has a vested interest, Mm -hmm. like your landlord. Of course, they want you to stay in that space or your your spouse. (laughs) Yeah. You know, 
again, yeah. and really, you know, sometimes I feel like I am a bit of a counselor where, you know, whenever you talk to somebody, you do often come to your own conclusions sure, very absolutely. quickly, mm-hmm. hearing yep. your voice. Yep. And I really, I don't always give answers, um, but I'll repeat something back to you. Yeah. So am I hearing you say this? Right. So again, I, I really, and, and again, you know, my philosophy is you do know everything that you need to do to run your business. I'm just going to help you organize it and let you know if there's a few little pieces that maybe you haven't thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, because most business owners know what mm-hmm. they want. Mm-hmm. They just don't have the way to organize it to use it to their full advantage. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was one of the things when we took over the pantry, like, you know, Barry and Carol were very, very good to, to sort of walk us through things prior to allowed us to go in. Um, and, and Sherry, their daughter is also, you know, very involved with the business. And every time I'd meet with them, I'd say, yeah, the more I meet with you, the less I know. Right. I have no idea what I don't know. And until we get in there, it's still, I'm going to still continue to learn Mm because I don't know anything about running a retail operation. Right. So it's those types of things that, you know, are always good to sort of just be aware. You, you may not know everything about it. Right. You're driving through Spencerville. Check out the cinnamon buns village pantry. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know what? We we can go on. We can go on. I kind of feel like we're only missing some, a couple of beers here, maybe a margarita. I honestly, because I love talking to Karen. Like if you you own a business, if you own a business, if you're thinking of starting of a business, you need to talk to Karen. Yeah, get organized and and just you know get because there's so many things swirling around. Yeah, I do love what you do. Yeah. It, it, it does it does focus the squirrely mind of business owners. You're very good at what you do. Mm-hmm. So I think we got to wrap up yeah, there. Okay, and then we'll have Karen back on the show. Again. Yeah, that would be great. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And and maybe next time you could reach out to some of these amazing success stories and ask if you could share their information on our podcast. Or they could join us. Oh, be it better. Yeah. There you go. We could have them a couple oh, of guests. They would love that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Right? We'd love them to join us because again, it's that you know, specifically these people that have had to transition through COVID and and are still successful. Like they would make great stories. Yeah. For our show. So look forward to that in the fall of 2022. Mm-hmm. See, like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Karen, tell us how we can get in touch with you. So, I have a website, which is www.opportunitygroup.ca. And I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram. I have a phone, but I do not check and monitor my messages because I would be doing that full time. So I really encourage you to go to my website. I have a contact form there um, if you want to reach out. Um, And a lot of people know me. Mm -hmm. So if you ask around, a lot of people will know how to get in touch with me. So yes, I'd love to chat. And they're also going to be able to find more information about you on our website, mycleanbreak.ca. And we're going to encourage Karen to write us a couple blog posts so that the people can find out a little bit more information about starting a business, maybe some little sage advice in a yeah. blog post. That is, That's I what we're going to do. I took notes. Okay. <laughs> I saw you doing that. <laughs> I took notes. I was like, I can't think fast enough. <laughs> well, now we can go back and listen uh, to the podcast. So true, there you go. True, true. So to, yeah. thank you, Karen, for being on the show. And um, you know yeah. what? Uh, 
It's okay, but um, do you want to do the, the close? Well, I was going to say, I would just like to thank, I'm not going to read it yeah, this time, you know. Yeah, i just good. like to thank um, your company, Darren, for, for sponsoring today's show. Uh, it really does help us to, you know, offset some costs that are incurred by Clean Break to, to produce this every month and every week. So, but it's so worth it because look at the quality that we've come up to. That's right, amazing. yeah. So, Feral Financial, if you need any, you know, since we're talking about employment and uh, they do some employee benefits. So if you need some employee benefits, want to retain good employees, because that's probably a topic we need to talk about as well, how to keep employees. And it comes to, up a lot now, yeah, nowadays yeah. with uh, everyone being competitive. Yeah. For sure. It so is It is something Yeah, that's growing. O'Farrell Financial, www.ofarrellfinancial.com. There you go. Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate that. Okay. So we're going to end it there. And if you're going through any other life transitions that you need to talk to somebody about, I guarantee you, well, maybe not guarantee, but pretty close to guarantee, you can find someone on our webpage that Absolutely. will help you get through the transition. Or contact us. Or contact us through we that. And we can connect you, you with them. Yeah. Yeah, because there's everything on there from having babies to retiring to having a new job to starting a new business. Yeah. And it's just an awesome place to check out. Yep, absolutely. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and we're connected with a lot of great business professionals. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to wrap it up there, everyone. Uh, tune in uh, to this show, other shows. Get all the advice that you need to take care of yourself and take care of the people around you. And we'll see you on the other side of the mic. You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on life transitions. You can find more topics like today's and other great advice from life transition professionals at mycleanbreak.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. mycleanbreak.ca has clear and simple advice from trusted local professionals to help you get to the other side of any transition. 